Hello and welcome to Creativize, Strategize, and Synergize, a podcast about the business side of being a creative. My name is Chris Scott. My name is Atish. And in this week's episode, Chris leads us through the business model canvas. And we start to put together our own business models for each of our business ideas. So yeah, so you uh, survived another work week. Survived another work week. Actually, this week um, <clears throat> this week was a little bit different because we had this, uh, like my company puts on this technology conference uh, once a year. So this week was actually like really slow because everybody who's important is at that technology conference and I'm still at my desk. <laughs> um, so basically there wasn't really a whole lot of stuff. There wasn't a whole lot of problems for me to fix because if there aren't sales reps out in the field, if they're all here in Scottsdale um, and, and like, you know, rubbing elbows at this tech conference, then, you know, really there wasn't a whole lot for me to do. So instead I like tried to, I don't know, I, this'll be, um, I've got my mid-year review coming up. Like, Oh, that's our, exciting. Yeah. Our self-appraisals were due on the 8th and then they have to be done sometime between now and the 22nd. So, wanna, can you read your self-evaluation? Uh, no, let's say no. Oh, <laughs> darn. Let's go ahead and say no. Um, but but uh, I, I also like just because I had all this downtime this week, I was like, let me put some per usual. I was making charts and graphs and stuff like that. So I basically like ran a report through Salesforce of all the stuff that my name has been on for the past six months and then how much of that stuff like closed into how much of a dollar amount. That way I can see what my like value that I brought to the company was between these two quarters. Oh, smart. Especially right before your eval. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And it's on the order of $8 million. So that's it. Fuck off. That's a lot. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, so I was making like charts and graphs and stuff like that for that. Just so I have like things in my hands. I saw you, um, you uh, were doing some stuff on, on the the other short. Uh, which short? Oh, the new the second short. The second short. I, um, yeah, I did some casting, took some pictures to make a new poster. Mm. And uh, right now we're 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 we kind of sort of announced it, the event, like it's out in the world and people want to go to it already. Okay, good. I walked into Starbucks this week and the barista was like, Wait, Kim, what is your event? I want to go to it. Wait, how does the barista at Starbucks know about your event? Exactly. That's what I said. Dude, awesome. And I was You've like, got some you reach. about it. And she's like, I know this person. And so I was like, cool. So the, the announcement <laughs> veto made the rounds, but the second one is not doing as well as the first one, but that's fine. What do you mean the second one's not doing as well as the first one? Uh, I did a second video explaining what the two shorts were going to be. Uh huh. And. You know, it did pretty good, but not as good as the announcement video. How did I, was this all on Facebook? Because I like don't, Facebook tells me that I have notifications for stuff, but it's just things like, you have a new friend suggestion and this person posted on this, but it has nothing to do with me. And it's like, did you miss this person's comment on this? So I basically stopped checking Facebook altogether. Yeah. Facebook got really annoying with their notifications, but I think the thing about this audience I'm trying to attract Mm -hmm. for this murder mystery night it's kind of an older audience mm. and where do older people hang out uh 95 percent of the days on facebook that's where they oh, get i was all their, gonna say the botanical gardens that's where they get to laugh at other old people making judgments on things and stuff huh. and tro troll people and have really bad opinions about something they have no know nothing about on fake memes and fake yeah. Uh, videos, which is pretty funny. And Pepe the Frog. And Pepe the Frog, which I, I, I still I know who that is, but I don't know the origin story. I, I, these things move too fast. Like, I don't know. I don't know. Right. I, I, I know the original meme because it was just that, like, crying frog, you know? Mm -hmm. And then there was, like, the frog doing a lot of stuff. But then that, he started becoming, somehow, I have no idea how, he started becoming the symbol for, like, these weird alt-right internet posters like shit posters uh-huh 
And then they founded their own fake internet country called Kekistan. And uh, yeah, I, I don't know. There's there's a whole lot of stuff there that I really I don't get. Anyway, um, I, not to talk trash about people that like to trash talk on Facebook, but that's <laughs> that's where a lot of my I think main audience I want to reach to collects most of their information about local events and whatnot. So you've been posting these things on Facebook. Yeah, so I've been doing a Facebook focused push for the last couple of weeks. Hmm. I think I'm gonna trickle into instagram uh, this coming week but i i think i agreed to work on a feature film that's going to shoot for the rest of the month of june oh really but it's not like a big feature it's just like a indie type film okay it's, it's a werewolf movie so i'm a little bummed out about that because i wanted to make a werewolf movie yeah i was gonna say so it's not your or jaime's werewolf movie it's not it's someone else's werewolf movie Dang. Is it at least a good concept? I I tried reading the script. It's barely a script, but I don't know. (laughs) We'll find out. Hmm. The guy running the show, the director, is kind of like a free spirit. So it kind of... Everything is very long and drawn out and kind of flowery when he explains things. Dang. So it's kind of like, I I know you're saying So it's like if I wrote a script... Right, but less technical and more feelings. <laughs> uh huh. And like I know you're saying stuff, and it sounds like you know what you're talking about. Uh, but I, I guess he's going to pay, which is nice. So, hey, that's great. And so if he does pay, I, that'll be enough money for me to finish the motocross short, the one that I haven't shot yet. Right. Hopefully, downshift in, in July. In so then, and then that would give you plenty of time to have everything finished by what was your proposed date? September. All right. So uh, I also met with, with a theater person to mm-hmm. figure out how to write a play and do the live part of the night. And that's going to take six weeks, I'm told, of rehearsals Wait. and whatnot. Oh, six weeks for the live portion? Yeah. So six weeks before the live date, I need to have actors and the script and all that other fun stuff figured out. Oh, shit. Probably the shorts as well, so because that's part of the right. It's it's like it'll set the tone or like give cadence to how things are broken up. Right. Damn, man, you sound like you've got a full plate for the next few months. I do have a full plate. It's a little too full. Too full. But you know what? It's fine. Yeah. Well, these those were uh, the good old days when you had an intern. Yeah, I need a new intern that did just as much as you did. <laughs> Yeah, well, that's that's a tall order. Very ambitious. Yeah. So, yeah. So, uh, what else? I'm trying to think of a segue, and I can't think of a segue. Uh, I mean, they're not always good. My segues are always really clunky. I'm like, so, uh, and then I and then I just, I, I generally end up just diving right in. Uh-huh. So, I was thinking about the... Uh, not the last couple podcasts, but before that, we were talking about taking an idea to an actual business. Right. How we could build on that a little bit more. Mm-hmm. And so I, for your birthday, I think, I bought you a book called uh, Blue Ocean Strategy. You did. Uh, I didn't get to read it, but there was a lot. there's lots of words in it. There was lots of words, very few pictures. Um, it, it, was, uh, it, was, it was good, it was ba- but... That book was written from a perspective of already being in the field that you're like trying to break into and then teaching you how to take something that's a already like used concept, but then making new value out of it. Oh, so like rebranding yourself or reinventing yourself type of thing. Or even not even just yourself, but like the product, like one of the key, um, one of the key examples that they give is like Cirque du Soleil versus the actual circus because there was very like there was very little incentive for people to pay like a large amount for uh the circus because they had been undercut by so many other competitors that were out there and then there was like animals so there was a large overhead and blah 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 like there was all these reasons why like 
being in the circus industry, if that's a thing, was like a bad idea. But then here these people came along and they decided like instead of branding it as a circus that people know of, like, you know, peanuts and uh, clowns and all that kind of shit, Mm -hmm. we're going to take it and we're going to rebrand it as like high art. And in that way, you don't charge like four bucks for a seat. You can charge 80 bucks for a seat and you can have it in Vegas. And tour the country and put the Beatles soundtrack to it. Right. And and um, and uh, don't have any animals because that way you don't offend PETA or, or whomever, you know, whatever. Or maybe they do have it. No, I don't think they do. I have. I've, I refuse to go to those shows. Yeah, I do, I, I've never gone to them either. But I thought that it was a very impressive kind of thing because it's like, yeah, that's so true. Uh, they took something that's like actually sort of known as like lower class or like, you know, or very... Um, pedestrian i guess you could say and they they kind of changed the motif on it to make it like classy and something you get like dressed up for and you know Uh that sort of thing and so then they actually ended up taking something that was like a failing business model and turning it into something very successful speaking of business models when i bought you that book a book suggestion on the amazon was the business model generation 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 wait the business model generation or the business model generator the Business Model Generation. Oh, okay. It's a handbook for visionaries, game changers, and challengers striving to defy outmoded business models and design tomorrow's enterprises. <laughs> that's, a, that's a good title. I like that. Yeah, it's a book for the business model generation. And the reason why I got it is because it's mostly pictures and all visual. Oh, good. <laughs> right up your alley. Right up my alley. And... It talks about this business model canvas, and we can put a link in the show notes so you can see what we're talking about. It's a website you can sign up for. Just it's like an email list, and yeah, that's how they get you. You have to sign up with your email, but you get this free. You get a load loads and loads of information about this type of content. So it might actually be like an email list that's worth signing up for. I uh, yeah, I mean, as opposed to like all the other ones that are just for like stores or shit like that. So you don't. Uh... You, you, get, don't, uh, you don't get any coupons, but yeah. you, you get like business ideas or talks. Wait, hold on. I'm sorry. I don't mean to break this down, but did you just say coupons? Coupons. It's coupons. It's coupons. Jesus. Okay. We're, let's just let's would move you, Would you right rather there. I say coupons? Rather makes sense because it's a, it's a long A sound. Coupons doesn't make sense because there's nowhere coupons. else. Where does the O and U like where does O and U put together ever make the sound of coupons because you keep them out of the daily newspaper. That's the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard. <laughs> no, uh, no co- fucking way. Coupons? Coupons? I'd coupons? rather get some coupons. Coupons uh, from Bosch's. Oh my god. <laughs> On my Anyways, pony. Um so so this sounds like to me it sounds like a really kind of helpful book because I'm always I'd like to think that I'm a good idea person, but I'm really kind of um, bad at at just without assistance, without like a step by step process. I'm really bad at kind of uh, figuring out the how to how to make the rubber hit the road, so to speak. Right. But I think the thing about this is it talks about business model, the business model canvas, and it it, it does fall in line with a lot of things that I've been saying, where it's not about numbers and formulas to generate uh you know it's not about products it's not about uh overhead or cost of this and that it's all about uh feelings and what's the motivation behind each of these segments that you are using in your business life yeah so it's it's uh it's kind of feelings based but kind of half numbers based so it's it's like logistical feelings Sure. That's a good, that's a good way to put it. Or, uh, I mean, not to, not to, you really need to read this book principles. It is blowing up, man. Okay. If, if you don't want to read it, uh, I suggest, and we should definitely put this in the show notes. There's a 30 minute video on YouTube. That's like animated that, that the, uh, author himself like made or, well, he didn't make it because, uh, he's an old man. I doubt he knows how to use like Dreamweaver or whatever they used to make it. But like it basically explains the premise, premises, prem, prem, Dreamweaver. I don't know. Whatever. What? Are, what do you said? Continue. Well, it explains the basics of the book. Dreamweaver's old. I think people use the Adobe Suite now. I don't know. I, 
Wait, Dream, the- Dreamweaver is a Aerosmith song, isn't it? No, it's a it's a. I was actually just looking at this last night. Weirdly enough, the universe has a surprising way of coming back to you. It's a Gary Wright song. Gary Wright. Uh, yeah. Uh, uh, cool, man. We'll put that link in the show notes. Yeah. Well, anyways, the point is, is that <laughs> the, the part that's like relevant to this is that like he explains how you have to have both. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? Like um, you have to have the uh, logical thinking style where you take take things and record them. I'm sorry. That's my phone going off um i can't believe that's the first time that's ever happened i i can believe it (laughs) um but yeah it's it's like uh you have to have the logical hard-sided thinking in order to make very rational like informed decisions that are void of emotion because otherwise like that's how you stay gambling at the table long after you lost way too much money Mm -hmm. you know what i mean but you also have to, you can't just have that because if you don't have the emotional feeling, like the actual passion and the drive for doing it, you're never going to make it out of the first room. So it, it kind of explains really well about like how you need to have both of those things. All right. Fine. Fine. <laughs> I'll check it out. Yeah. Just watch the video. You don't even have to read the book. All right. I'll put it on my queue, my watch later list on mm-hmm. YouTube. Yeah. But yeah, no, this, this uh, business model kind of just uh, in the book, it defines a business model as a, uh, the rationale of how, we or, how an organization creates, delivers, and captures value. Uh-huh. So they use lots of words like value and uh, things that aren't tangible things. They're kind of just uh, solutions or needs or things that are satisfied on a, on a non-tangible level for the most part. So value, not in terms of like dollar and cents, but more of a right. Uh, they talk a lot about just how your your business shouldn't be for the product; it should be for your customer and how your customer. Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? This gets that gets satisfied uh, is helped by it. Ah, uh-huh. like like how uh, how needs are met. Yes, with your product. Yes. Do you want to go through these building blocks on the Hell, business model canvas? Hell yeah. That's, uh, that's entirely what I need. So if the, I were a Tish, I would explain to you this chart that you can print out for free, or you can just go to the website and look at it. But there's nine blocks on it. And the way it's set up is kind of interesting. It's, there's this box in the middle called value propositions, and that's the first box. Nope, that's the second box that they talk about. Oh, this this goes in order. I was just reading it from left and right, left to right. No, uh, the if you look at it on the paper, uh-huh. the way things are connected visually, you can like draw arrows to connect certain boxes together. Oh, and then there's like a support system, and all like it all makes sense visually. If you were yeah. like in a presentation using arrows to point as to how everybody connects to everything. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. See, I was just reading this left to right, like just boxes and like, as if you were just filling them out, like as you go, uh-huh. but you're saying that this is, this is organized in a sort of way that like things are meant to connect together. Yes. Which explains why the boxes are of different shapes and different sizes. Different shapes. And actually the first box oh. they teach you about is the, the one on the right. The customer, customer segments. Customer segments. What is a customer segment? Let's see. I wrote it down. Uh, it's not about your idea or your product. Uh, it's about the needs. Did I do this backwards? That's, <laughs> that's the value propositions. Damn it. I know this is kind of a lot to take in. So I'm just going to read it from the book, the customer segments, uh, the, the, the different groups of people or, or organizations that your, your, uh, enterprise aims to reach or serve. So, so your client base. Okay, so you could also call that like your addressable market or like things like that. Right. Or Well, I guess it's because it's not like just all the people who could buy your stuff. It's who it's intended for. Well, not just that, but just the what type of market are you aiming for? Are you looking for like a mass market? Are you looking for oh, a, a niche market? Are you looking for a segment of a certain type of business, uh, a, di- a diversified market where mm. it can relate to two unrelated types of persons? You know, it's a... Uh, 
who is your customer? Who are you trying to reach out? Who are you reaching out to? Okay, so sometimes that doesn't necessarily have to be like, you know, like how you talk about demographics or something like males aged 18 to 35. Like, you can. You, know, you can get that specific if you want. Okay, but but it also could be, you know, just where you might end up going with this product or this service, like kind of in a more general sense. Right. It's all about trying to figure out who would uh, benefit most from this idea or product that you have. Hmm. And knowing that person inside and out to connect with them the easiest and all that other fun, good stuff. So, so like, like I had, you want to do your optimization club. Yeah. The, what is it? What was that book series? The babysitters club optimizations club. <laughs> uh, I definitely didn't make that connection, but yeah, let's, let's say that. So you would want to define what types of customers you would want as benefit from the service you want to provide. Okay. And so you can, list it out and just do some research, uh, get out there, talk to people, see what people would, uh, benefit from who, who, who would you, you know, talk to those guys at your local watering hole that tell you all their app ideas. Yeah. So I actually thought about it and I thought like, maybe that's something. So not to, not to pitch you too much on this, but I thought about that. I was thinking about, um, who, who I guess I would actually want to approach because when I first was imagining this with very little substance, like without actually like thinking about what I wanted to do with this, but when I was just like imagining all the trappings that come with it, you know, uh-huh. I was like imagining being that closer who has the nice suit, who like makes lots of money and works in these big fancy buildings. But when I actually thought about it more, it's like the things that I think are the value in that is kind of being the person who has the know how like the skill and the expertise and then also the guts to just take something from nothing and make it into something. Right. And that's how you like optimize that. So the the more and more I thought about it, the customer segment that I think I was focusing on as people are getting like, there's a huge trend where people are working less and less in the traditional sort of workplace and they're kind of ending up working more for themselves or building something like they're way more entrepreneurs in this generation than there were ever before. Cause there has to be because those old farts aren't retiring. No, because social security is in the shitter. And they're and then they, and all they do is yell at kids because they don't work hard enough. They don't go out there and work. It's like right. They, they it, go retire by that lake house, dude. Yeah, exactly. Go fishing. <laughs> so, um, so I was kind of thinking, like, you know what, um, like Sam Fox does with restaurants, right? Mm-hmm. He takes concepts. And he matures them. He gets them up and running. Like, for instance, uh, North. Have you ever been to North Italia? Yes, once. Yeah. He just recently, so he made that brand. He made that very recognizable and whatever and for a popular restaurant, standardized it, and then he just sold it to uh, the um, IHOP. No, um, a little bit better, but not by much. Um, Denny's. Denny's no, Cafe. Denny's is technically worse. You're going in the opposite direction. I don't know. That one's um, over my hammy, bruh. Oh, my God. Uh, <laughs> no. Um, Cheesecake Factory. Oh, Cheesecake Factory. He just sold North to the company that owns Cheesecake Factory. So, like, basically, he takes these ideas, matures them, and then sells them off so other people can run them. It's like, yeah, that's kind of actually what I'm looking – like, maybe take these ideas from these people who are pitching me all this kind of stuff – get them going, get them optimized, and then, you know, let let them take the reins back. Uh-huh. So I guess that would be more the customer. Se- Is that a customer segment? I think that might be too vague. Is that too vague? It might feel vague, but you can get as specific as you want. It depends on this idea that you're trying to get across, the service you're trying to provide. Okay. So, like, I want to be a film production company. So my customer segment can be very broad. Right. But the more if I the more I think about it, the more specific I want to get. The more it's I want to go aim for young adults that are you know, 18 to 23. Yeah, that's the demographic a lot of these movies aim for because they spend the most money. Yeah. But it's like those are the kids I want to influence or inspire with these stories I want to tell. So it's kind of hmm. you know, a diverse group of young kids. That's kind of my customer segment that I'm trying to deal with. 
I see. So you, you take it from like a broad sort of standpoint and then dial it in as you as you kind of flush out the idea more. Yeah, and it doesn't just have to be one thing. It could be multiple okay. customer segments, but you might want to come up with different business models to attract the different types of customer segments oh, you're aiming I see, for. I see. Okay. You know, I also want to spark conversations between younger generations and older generations. So that could be another segment that I have in here. Mm, okay, so this is why that column is very big because it, it allows you to you know bring out a lot of different avenues. Yeah, and the thing about this canvas is uh, you're going to fill it out for the first time, and you're probably going to throw it away and do it again. The more and more you think about it, the more you flush out your ideas. Yeah, because you're kind of this thing really makes you think about things you've never really thought of before. Well, yeah, definitely. And so, and it does it in a way that's uh, like. With the feelings first, and then you could talk about the money later, which is what everybody wants to talk about right away. Right. And so customer segments, define your customer, figure out who you want your customer uh, base to be. Mm -hmm. Who are you creating value for? I mean, you, you're no longer just a company. You're just someone that is providing value to a certain group of people. So kind of allowing yourself to abstract yourself out of this whole like, oh, overhead, business, you know, blah, 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 all this kind of stuff. Abstracting out of that, like, what are you trying to do? Why are you trying to do it? And to whom are you trying to do it for? Exactly. Okay. Okay. And then, you, oh, what are you going to say? Well, no, I was going to say, yeah, that's definitely something I get tied up in a lot. Like I end up getting locked down and like, oh my God, well, how would the, that actually work? And so I don't let my ideas progress. So kind of the goal of this canvas is to be like a brainstorming sort of thing. Uh -huh. Like it, it, it segments you or it segregates you away from all the other, like logistical, like nightmarish problems and, and helps you just kind of move through that. Exactly. If I'm if I'm understanding this correctly. Yes. Okay. So so what's the next uh, what's the next? So step? that was that was the first segment. The next segment is uh, value propositions. Value propositions. So what are the values you're providing to these customers? Um, I guess what I was thinking was was that I am letting them like. I mean, the the whole idea was I was bringing in a team of experts so that they can we can just upcycle and upregulate their ideas into the best version or the best possible iteration of what they want to accomplish. Uh huh. What these clients want to accomplish. Um, so the value I guess would be in, in a really cheesy sort of feelings way. It's like doing the legwork so that they can realize their, uh, their dream, so to speak. So it's not so much about your idea, your product. It's about what need or problem you're solving. Or what need you're fulfilling or what problem you're solving. So these are your oh. value propositions. Um, I guess then what I'm doing is I'm lowering the threshold or the, the difficulty of getting involved in your own business. Uh -huh. So some of the examples in the book are like performance, improve in performance or customization, getting the job done. So you do fall in. That's definitely... A value proposition you have there oh okay i uh, so it's it's like it's it's basically what i see what you're saying like what are you trying to fulfill okay so so i would say then i mean getting the job done and then what was the uh you read another one that was really customization performance there's one here called newness uh performance and getting the job done i would say because the whole idea is that we're taking a baseline that that these people already have they're already running they're already trying to open up their own whatever whatever their passion project is uh -huh. and we're just going to optimize it make it perform better make it perform at its best such that it can be standardized and it can be you know uh, progressively grown mine are going to be different stories and movies that i make mm -hmm. so it's like an actual product but i think that's, that's what i think that's what mine would be what else do I have? I mean, I think well, that's, well, it's that's... like it's a the the value in that is like the value in the story in and of itself. Uh -huh. You know what I mean? Like because you're you're telling something. Like it is like that. That is the 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 thing you're bringing to the customer is not the right word, I guess, but you you know what I mean. So yeah, so we're here in our value propositions. We we come up with these. I just had it. Where'd my piece of paper go? <laughs> 
Well, we think about it, the needs that we're satisfying. So people have a need to be entertained. So yes, I would, I'm providing some sort of entertainment. Yeah. Uh, people have problems and you are providing solutions to those problems in XYZ, what you just listed. Yeah. So it makes sense. So, so this is, so value propositions is what you're actually, so the customer segments are the people that you're addressing sort of, right. And the value propositions are the way in which you are helping or what you're providing for those customer segments. Yeah. So that's how those two tie together. Right. And we, you know how we connect them? How's that? And our our next two segments. What's that? Channels is the next segment. Channels. Through which channels do you, uh, do our customer segments want to be reached? How are we reaching them now? How are our channels integrated? Which ones work best? Which ones are most cost efficient? How are we integrating them with customer routines? Hmm. So there's different types of channels that we can access. We can connect our value propositions to our customer segments with. This one might be a little difficult for me to brainstorm. So you can either do it uh, directly or indirectly. So when you say indirectly, does that mean that like by doing whatever it is you're doing, it might be like a second or third order consequence that you end up helping your customer segments or, or delivering value to your customer seg- segments? Like, is that what that means indirectly? Or I, I think I'm confused. So uh, directly would be you're trying to sell it yourself with like web sales or you have a sales team that goes out and sells your product for you. Oh, okay. Indirectly would be uh, it's in the store. People want to come in the store. They can come in or not. Or you could, so you would partner with someone for the indirect channels. Okay, so maybe like indirect channels would be um, if I made a movie, my indirect channel would be selling it at Walmart, and Walmart would be my one of my channels to get my product to my customer. Okay, okay. So because so you're not because you're not actually the store to which these people are going, but you are providing something in the store. So it's it's like a second party, third party type thing. That type like, of thing, right? Okay. Uh, so I, I get. Yeah. So what what are yours? Well, that's where I'm c- confused because I think so, you would have so, direct channels. Okay, I was thinking it would probably be direct because I'm directly working with the businesses that I want to gain value. Uh huh. But that also indirectly brings will bring more value to a different customer segment those businesses customer segments of whatever their value you, you see what i'm saying uh-huh but but, but that's like second well but that has nothing to do with mine so so i think mine is direct uh well it could be direct it could be indirect it could be i guess it could be multiple but there are five stages to a, a ch- uh, phases to a channel apparently do you want to hear these five phases yeah, damn! I did not realize this chart went this deep. Yeah, it's like pretty... the, the, like there are multi-tiered levels inside of each of these. Each box, yeah. This might be wow. a two-part episode. Yeah, because I'm okay. I'm I'm really interested to fill this out. Okay, go ahead. What, right. what are the uh... so your channel phases? So your channels are how do your you know how do you connect your customer segments to your value propositions? So the first phase of a channel is awareness. How do you uh, raise awareness about your company's product or services? Huh. Second phase is evaluation. How do we help customers evaluate or our organization's value proposition? Third phase is purchase. How do we allow customers to purchase p- specific products and services? Fourth phase is delivery. How do you deliver your value proposition to your customers? And your fifth phase is after sales. How do you provide post-purchase customer support? I see. So this is why you were saying it could be both direct and indirect. Right. Because your methods for each of those different phases of channels, like, so basically what that's describing is in a sense, it's like, it's like a version of the sales cycle, right? Mm -hmm. The sales cycle goes from, um, not, nobody knows anything to interest, to negotiate, to trial and error, to sales, to post sales, to uh, to 
customer service, basically. Right. right. Like that's the sales cycle. So this is kind of phases is sort of like reflecting that, but in a in a kind of more like like based on your value propositions, less about like hardline product, but uh-huh. more about value propositions. So so I could see that that's how you could be both direct and indirect in depending on on which point in the sales cycle you sort of are. Mm-hmm. Because for instance, um, yours would be direct for how people hear about your product, probably because like that's what things like trailers and stuff like no, that. I, I are. think uh, I think indirect or direct, they're they're both going to go through all the five phases. What do you mean? So if I were to directly sell my movie by myself, I would still make a trailer to uh, create awareness. I would put out content to have people evaluate if it's worth, if I'm worth watching, you know, uh, this is what I do behind the scenes. This is how I am as a person. This is the type of product I've created in the past type of thing. I see. Yeah. yeah, This is the process. This is what motivated all. So that would be like behind the scenes videos, Uh uh, you know, release, you know, release a trailer as to create awareness. I would, uh, release other videos to have people evaluate if I'm worth the investment Mm -hmm. and then, the purchase would be, of course, I could do a direct sale. Just send me three dollars on Venmo, and I'll send you a link. This is this uh, purchase is where it would go, direct or indirect. I see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So depending on like how, or if, uh, if oh. it's a feature, and I was like, here's a DVD. It's for sale at Walmart. Go buy it. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, so that's okay. So your channels can vary depending on the methodology with which you disperses the wrong you're gonna go through these you deliver your product yeah you're gonna go through these five phases i think no matter what okay okay yeah yeah yeah. but you just got to make sure you know where how this what channels you're using Mm -hmm. you define those channels okay okay so so kind of just being aware of uh the phases these of the yeah these different phases and then how you can directly or indirectly do it. And, and that would kind of be a decision on what the best methodology would be for your specific value and your specific product. Right. Okay, cool. Shit, that's in-depth. <laughs> it's really in-depth. I mean, as soon as I, I think after, let's say, purchase f- phase three for a channel, for me, phase four is delivery. So I need to be able to deliver an actual product. Yeah. So I'd say either going to be digitally or a hard copy which is, you know, normal for, you know, whatever people are comfortable purchasing their movies with. Right. And then after sales, that's, that's an interesting one. How do I provide post purchase customer support? I need to create some sort of thing to make people feel like they're getting more than what they paid for. It sounds like, I mean, maybe that's where these, email lists have like continuing value because if they really like this release, then maybe they can be the first to like, you know what I mean? Like how, um, how, uh, uh, certain like concerts, for instance, if you go to one show, you'll be on the mailing list to get the first like best tickets for the next show. Yeah. 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 That's a good one. So, so like that could be, I, I don't know how that translates exactly to your I think the thing that's coming to mind right now is I know you don't watch it but on the CW all those superhero TV shows <laughs> uh-huh so there's like the flash but then there's also like a web series connected to it right with like some right, of the right, right. B characters and you could go on their website and watch those episodes if you want to learn more about Felicity and how quirky she is with the computer and like for instance that's kind of how um like I didn't watch this but between Avengers 1 and Avengers 2, there were some movies, right? Uh-huh. So there's that, but then there's also that TV show, like Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. or something, right? Right, right. That builds, so, up, that builds the universe up. Yeah, and so they were like, if you want to know why they were, because it, it just jumped, like, if you remember Avengers 2, it's just like, it starts and they're in a mission. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? And the explanation of what that mission is and why they're there, apparently that answer was in uh, Marvel Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Oh, weird. So it creates this whole like kind of network effect where if people are like super, super, super into 
you know, this universe and that, that kind of stuff, they can get that sort of value and get that reward out of like these multiple different, you know, streams, both coming from like all the way at the top, like the big budget movies and then web series, like you said, and then TV shows and all kinds of stuff. Yeah, dude. So that's an interesting one that, that, that that's like, let's get some thought. Yeah, that's gonna, that's gonna take some thought. Um, but that's, that's really cool. That kind of brings up a lot of ideas about how to kind of expand. Uh, cause, cause I think you're always pretty good about being like one step ahead of yourself, mm-hmm. but, but it gives good thought onto how you could expand like your, cause, cause you could have just started with like, Oh, I'm going to make short films. But then you went from making short films into making a murder mystery night, like a whole kind of event based thing. Uh-huh. And then that'll kind of like spread out you know, given this thought about like how you're going to adopt the entire right. channel or the, the phases of the channel. Yes. Yes. Definitely. Interesting. So we've got, That's cool. uh, segment one, which is our customer segments, mm-hmm. uh, which are our customers who are our customers. Yeah. 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 Uh, the second box are value propositions. What are we, what need are we satisfying? What problem are we solving? Yeah, both both like first order or second or third order. Like that can it can be sort of a multi tiered downstream effect as well. Right, box, or it seems like it can. Yeah. So box three is uh, channels. How are we going to connect our value propositions to our customer segments? Okay. How does the product get to your customer? Basically. Okay. Yeah. 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 All right. So now in our fourth box. We're going to talk about customer relationships. Customer relationships. So, yeah. So, Atish is really bad at relationships. <laughs> yeah. No kidding. Um, he didn't even call me on my birthday. I just assumed we would celebrate some other time. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. What types of relationship does each of our customer segments expect us to establish and maintain with them? Which ones have we established? How costly are they? How are they integrated with the rest of our business model? Hmm. So this is where I think a handy way to think about this, at least for me, do you know what a CRM is? Uh, Some sort of sleep process? No, (laughs) but good guess. A CRM is a customer relationships manager. So it's like a tool. So, For instance, um, at work, we use something called Salesforce. It's one of the most popular CRMs out there. Mm -hmm. And basically what it does is it tracks all the people, like we enter in data, like different people at different jobs. So, of course, like for this, it's like it's a large company and we're trying to do stuff, you know, internationally. So it, it requires a lot of people involved. But like the idea at least could be distilled, um, to, to smaller operations as well. But essentially what we're doing is we're tracking each step of the sales process, that like channel, that sales cycle to make sure we know where everybody is at at any given time. So we know how to approach them. Uh-huh. Um, the second somebody's contract goes, uh, is being, you know, uh, reviewed for renewal or something like that with a, a competitor. We already know, so we know, okay, now's the time we go deploy some sales reps out to them to be like, hey, like we saw that this is your deal that you currently have. Check out what we can offer you for this price, you know, so we know when to get in. Or when uh, new funding has just come come up in this particular city or something like that, we know that we can go approach them at that point in time. Uh-huh. Um if they're in the interest stage where they're like, okay, we're reviewing your products, whatever, we know that maybe we just have to do a little bit of gentle pushing or like add some more value to it. Like, oh, you know what? Like, given this, we can probably, if you order this much stuff, we can give you a 16% discount. You know what I mean? If they buy, we know that we need to connect them with our customer service team so that they can, uh, they can uh, always have support and all that kind of stuff. And then once we know that they have already bought our stuff and they're, you know, kind of in the adoption phase or they're just like uh, plateauing out, we know we can, you know, wait until it's time for their contract renewal and then engage them again, Uh that sort of stuff. So it's kind of like knowing like where all these stages are at and like knowing how to approach people at those different stages. I think the part about this with the customer relationship that you're talking about is customer retention. Customer retention. Okay. So uh, the book explains this uh, segment as three things, basically. 
mm-hmm. customer acquisition, customer retention, boosting sales. So how do you get customers? How do you keep customers? Or keep them, yeah. How do you grow your customer? Okay, so like how do you scale up? Yeah. Okay. So how do you get customers? Right. And so that's that's kind of what you were talking about earlier on in the podcast in sort of a facetious way. But you were saying like most of your people that you know how to approach are on Facebook and doing dumb Facebook stuff. The audience that I, I yeah, the audience that I <laughs> am aiming towards. Yeah. Are, uh, are, they don't listen to podcasts, but they spend a lot of time on Facebook. Really? I don't know. I'm, I'm hoping they don't listen to podcasts because I just offended a lot of them. <laughs> um, eh, maybe. So, I, so what types of relationships do you like? First off, what types of relationships do you want to establish with your customers? So is this going to be a personal relationship or is this going to be like a, like an automated robotic relationship? Oh, like a chatbot thing. Yeah. Uh, I think, uh, I think the benefit of like the service that I'm trying to provide is like, it's a holistic top down, like personable thing. Uh huh. Like the whole idea is to grow somebody else's business to optimize it to make it better so in order to do that it can't just be like i, I don't know how we could automate that right you, you, know you, I mean? you like, couldn't do it automated yours is going to be a very personal thing because yeah anyone with a business has some sort of sentimental attachment to it right that robots can't understand or compute hopefully not yeah. yet not, till, not yet anyways till skynet <laughs> but and especially because um i changed my focus specifically for like things that need to scale up or businesses that need to scale up. So like we need to teach them how to optimize and how to be more efficient in order for them to scale up. I mean, that means that it's a smaller operation. So this will be a very personable thing. Mm -hmm. Like it it would have to be, you know, uh, kind of very close. Um, Exactly. So in terms of acquisition, yeah, it, it wouldn't just be something I think we could just like pump out on. No, you know, yours has to be very personal. You're going to ask people to break up with their business plans that they've made and they've been yeah. trying to do for 10 years that are not working. Right, 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 right. And you have to talk someone through a breakup and then set up a rebound for them. God. this. <laughs> I think for me, I think mine could be more automated because I'm trying to work with a larger scale of person, like more right. people. I'm not trying to you know, make a movie for five people. I'm trying to make a movie for 5,000 people. Right. It's a little bit more spread. Right. Yeah. And trying to make all those connections would be so exhausting. I'm so exhausted right now. I feel like I've done a lot of talking and networking and sharing. I'm exhausted. You've been rubbing some elbows recently. I need to take a nap, but I can't nap. (laughs) So because now you've got like four projects on your plate. You have no time. I have no time for naps. No times. And so, uh, so I, I think me posting on Facebook, let's say I can like something, but I don't have to have a conversation with every person that comments on a video that I post. You know what I'm saying? I see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it can be okay. And, and so in that I'm, regard, yeah, I make it a public post as opposed to sending a thousand individual. individual messages and then continuing that conversation. Okay. So your acquisition might come like your acquisition is kind of more exposure based. Yes. I see. I see. Whereas my acquisition would be kind of more of like a person to person, um, like adoption phase sort of thing, like a a changing of ideas. Right. Hmm. Okay. So, so what was the, the second Uh, customer retention retention? So How do you keep them? I have to make good product. I have to, you you have to, you have, yeah. Solid storylines that people want to watch and listen to. You have to keep fans. Basically, have to keep fans and not disappoint my fans like Ryan Johnson did in The Last Jedi. Uh, Which one was that? That was the last Star Wars movie, not the Han Solo movie. Not Solo. No, the one before that. Hmm. Anyway, anyway, I know you probably didn't see it, but my company didn't pay me to go see it, so I didn't see it. Star Wars nerds will probably agree with me. Yeah, but they, but for you, it would have to be actually solving the problems you say you're going to solve. Right. It it means that things can't just be empty promises. Mm-hmm. I have to like deliver. Right. Which means that the customer has to be seeing more ROI. 
Um, they have to maybe be seeing more profit. They have to be seeing a reduction in overhead. They have to be seeing um, improvement in staff morale, um, in improvement of staff retention, like any any of those things, any and all of those things could all be things that could be like factored into Definitely. Like the results that they need to see. Definitely. And even for something like you, if you improve one of those things, right, uh, to roll over into the next segment on how to be scalable, it's like, hey, I fixed this one problem for you. I can fix this one too and this one too. Right. And With more that. time and more investment, we could, we could bring this all together. Exactly. I see. So... Yeah, my scalable thing, I think it's all about just going bigger, creating bigger products. That's what so have to be. Yeah, like like going from uh, like one short film to several short films in a in an anthology, like the the murder mystery night, mm-hmm. to going to another full length, to going to a bigger full length, like a right. bigger, bigger budget bigger, full length, you know, whatever bigger, yeah, and just always kind of pushing the envelope, like bumping ceilings the whole way. Uh huh. But I'm sure at some point it's going to turn into, I think it just mostly a retention thing. I mean, going back to our thousand true fans conversation, if I get you know a thousand people to spend a hundred bucks on me a year, that's pretty solid. Yeah. So I think for the customer relationship to be scalable for me is to have a larger customer base to where everyone feels part of a bigger thing, more so than paying for something that's more expensive. Right. Like like so uh, maybe keep you know prices and value virtually the same but like if they're part of a larger like if you have more fans if you have more fans that you've retained yeah, building up the community becomes, type of thing. yeah yeah it's it's something a lot larger or like your movies because now they're on a grander scale they can have more of a message they can have more of like a you know with with a bigger budget comes bigger responsibility or some shit like that sure <laughs> so and and that's how you kind of scale up so how I scale up is actually how I scale up is kind of similar to yours mm-hmm. because it's like mine, yours is based on the value of the work that you're putting out. Same as mine. Mm-hmm. So if I continually put out the great value, it's like, it's like one of those things where then your work starts speaking for itself. If I help other companies scale up, if I help other companies become more profitable, lower overhead, higher uh, staff morale, all those kinds of stuff, that will in turn scale me into larger and larger projects, larger and larger operations. Right. So then then it could be either I scale up by having – I could have a larger staff, which means more volume, or – and or, I guess. Mm-hmm. I could scale up by – working doing the same work the same kind of stuff for larger and larger companies i guess it could really go either way i think i think you should focus on scaling up with like an individual customer more so than your company scaling up more than more than because that's where the value comes from well your value is this is a uh solution i'm providing to this problem right and so this is one problem you have another problem this is how we're going to scale up i can solve multiple problems I see. Okay. Uh, and I can solve two problems. Now I can solve four problems. And so it's not so much your company's growing. It's more so the client is getting more results. More, yeah, more results, more value. So kind right. of increasing the bandwidth of the, of the whole project. Exactly, exactly. As opposed to just like, oh, we've got like 100 people on staff now. We can. No one cares about that. Customers okay. don't care okay. about that. Customers care about the solutions you're providing for them. Right, what, what they're getting out of it. Right. I can make a million dollar movie or a hundred million dollar movie. That's mm-hmm. terrible. And no one cares how much I spent on it. You know what I'm saying? Right. They just care if the movie's good or not. Okay. Yeah. Fair. So if I make a really good movie for $10,000, then people are going to be like, who cares how much it costs? It was a good movie. Yeah. The only people yeah, that yeah, yeah. care about it are trolls and film critics and cinema sins. <laughs> cinema sins is good. First of all, second of all, uh, so people won't care about how big your budget is as long as – like in, in both directions, whether it was really large budget or whether it was a small budget, if it's a really good movie. Right, like Get Out last year. Yeah. Do you know how much the budget for Get Out was? No, no idea. $4 million. That's relatively small for a movie, that's right? A, that's a decent like, – I wish I had $4 million to make a movie like well, that. But it well, made – hundreds of millions of dollars in the box office. It's kind of like, yeah. you know, there's a few stories like that, like uh, 
my big fat Greek wedding. Uh huh. You know, that was, I think, like a million dollar feature. Made $300 million or something that year. Holy shit. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. Same with like, uh, even like Passion of the Christ was like a $35 million movie. Mm-hmm. It's made probably a billion dollars by now, maybe billions. Whoa. Yeah. No, no. Passion of the Christ made a billion dollars. It made so much money. You know how Deadpool's like, oh, we're the number one action comedy, R rated action comedy movie. And the yeah. only movie they can't beat is Passion of the Christ because of how much money Passion of the Christ made worldwide. Wait, but Passion of the Christ was an action comedy. It was an R movie. The oh. highest grossing R movie of all time. I see. Damn, that's crazy. Yeah, man. Speaking of which, did you see Deadpool 2? I did. In my humble opinion, better than the first. Interesting. Yeah. How about this? Let's talk about one more segment because I think it relates to everything we've talked about. Okay, cool. And then we'll talk about the next four uh, next time. Yeah, I didn't anticipate this uh, being a two-parter, but I think I also didn't appreciate how in-depth each of these ideas goes. Yeah, I thought I could just skim through this and be like, oh, just another podcast where I skim through everything. But no, <laughs> this one's kind of... Uh, it looks simple, but it's so not simple. Yeah, because I was, I was just because I only uh, have like you have the book. I just have the PDF that you sent me. Uh huh. Um, and and so I was like, oh yeah, I, I get this, but it's like no, I don't get this. I, I don't like channels. Fuck that one blew me away. Yeah, okay. I'm still trying to grasp everything. But all right, you ready for the next one? Yeah. What's the next one? Revenue streams. Revenue streams. Revenue streams is on the bottom right. Yeah. So if I'm understanding this correctly, even just based on the box positioning, this is how customer gets to value and like in the process of that channel, like in the sales cycle channel, how you can recognize revenue, like where are the points in which you are making money, basically. Right. This is where is the money coming from? How much is it costing the customer? How much is the customer willing to pay? How would they prefer to pay? How much does the revenue stream contribute to overall revenues? Oh, shit. So uh, there are several ways to generate revenue streams. There's an asset sale, usage fee, subscription fees. You can lend uh, or rent something or lease something, or you can license something. Huh. Yeah, so I'm, I've become very familiar with the benefits of the uh, subscription as a service model. Uh-huh. Like that's become increasingly popular with everything. Like everything is subscription everything. based. Yeah, everything is subscription based these days because everyone's trying to follow basically the Amazon Prime uh, uh, idea. Right. And so I kind of get that, but I don't think either of us are really in like yours is asset based. Right. Mine would be asset based, but I can also see establishing some sort of subscription service. Like, I don't know, this is, I'm going way to my head right now, but let's say in five years, I have 10 movies under my belt. I'm right. creating content left and right. I've got a whole production company running 24 seven. Yeah. Instead of being like a, like Robert Rodriguez said with the El Rey network where you got an actual TV network, uh-huh. I could do a subscription based, you know, stars type of thing. Like if you had a whole bunch of other producers or like a whole bunch of other content producers as well. Exactly. That would go out and produce content that I approve of. I see. We would it'd be like a Netflix model. I see. So so yours really kind of depends on the channels as well because it's like you could also just have licensing revenue. Mhm. Because like for for instance if Netflix wanted to buy the rights to one of your movies and then you're getting some kind of licensing. Right, exactly. Exactly. And and you could be asset based as well. So there's there's kind of like you could potentially have a lot of revenue streams depending on what direction, or, or I mean, what multiple directions you could be taking with that. Right. I don't know what that would mean for myself because I, I think it would be a strictly asset based structure. Uh, probably be a usage fee. Right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Because it's, it's, I'm not like selling like a literal thing, right? Like a widget. Right. You know what I mean? It's, it's more based on like, if I'm here for this many weeks, it's going to cost, many, 
right x amount of dollars right if like you want more it's going to cost more yeah 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 and and so like there could be tiered plans i guess you could say mm-hmm. that like come with different i guess uh baseline structures it, it's sort of ambiguous because it's but but once you get that standardized i think that 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 could be so so was it usage fees usage fee so the more that they want out of my services, basically, the more that they're going to pay. Exactly. Okay. So there are people that charge, let's say, an hourly rate. Right. So you want me to be your barista for three hours at your party. It's going to cost you 50 bucks an hour. So That's you a know, great rate for a barista. And they're like, oh, but we need you to stay an extra two hours. Everyone's super wasted and needs more coffee. That guy's going to cost you an extra 200 bucks or whatever. Yeah, it's like every hour after three hours is... Time and a half. Sure. Double time. <laughs> but yeah, just, so, just thinking about how, where's all the, where's your, where are you getting money from? Like, how are you going to support this idea that you have this? Because you can't just like intangibly just assume you're going to make money out of whatever you're doing. You have to actually like plot out how you would, how you would do that, which methodologies. And then also like it even got so granular, granular word of the day. Um, it got, it got so granular as to even uh, put out there, how does your customer prefer to pay? Right. I mean, that's pretty specific. So, yeah, so figuring out how, what you're selling to your customer, how they're going to pay for it. But then also, how are you going to get them to come back and pay more? Right. How, how, how you can get that uh, retention phase. Right. Okay. And that and that then translates to scalability. So yeah, these things are all really linked. Yeah, and that's just half the the chart, the canvas. If you Holy think shit. about it, I mean, yeah. value propositions are kind of like the the center. What is that stone in the arch? The the keystone. Oh, is that what that's called? I think it's called the keystone. I remember the last time I heard about that was in my like Roman classics class or something. <laughs> but yeah, the value is really the keystone in this canvas. And so to the right is definitely all feelings slash customer relations stuff. And uh-huh. then eventually when we talk about the left side, it's going to be, how is this business going to run? Who are we working with? Oh, what are so the... this is really set up in a very intuitive way. Yeah. Oh, I did not understand this chart at all. So going back to revenue streams, I feel like my revenue is going to be mostly asset-based. It's just going to be me selling movies and merchandise to clientele. That's going to be my uh, retention is to create merchandise really uh, linked to movies I make, basically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So like with the Mummy movie, as soon as I make Boys Nights t-shirts, <laughs> we're going to buy four of them and then go out with all the boys yeah, well, I mean, you can put me down for a medium right now. A schmedium. No, schmedium would be nice on a nice American apparel shirt. Don't print on these goddamn Gildan scratchy terrible shirts. Oh, no. Oh, no, of course not. <laughs> so that is phase one of the business model canvas. Phase one of the business model canvas. So, um, yeah, definitely we'll post the link to the PDF because I kind of want to um, – Maybe I'll do like a first draft writing through this mm-hmm. and then obviously I'll scrap that one because I'll be way too self-conscious. But then maybe the second draft I can uh, on the second episode or maybe even after that because I'll probably need to run through the second half with you to understand what the second half actually is. Uh-huh. But I can post what mine might be. Yeah, and then we can... Uh, but then people might steal my business idea. I think people that think their business ideas are going to get stolen are the most... Amateur, <laughs> immature people. I have a buddy that's trying to open up a coffee shop and he was meeting with some marketing kid and he was telling him ideas and the kid was like, oh, that's a really good idea. But now if they ever meet again, he wants them to sign like an NDA to not steal his ideas ever. And I'm like... Wait, what, what kind of complex ideas are coming out of a coffee shop? Exactly. I mean... Like how are you reinventing the wheel? Ex- well, I don't know. I mean, exactly. I- Fair, you know, fair enough. I don't, I don't know your buddy. I don't, I don't know what he might be up to with coffee. I think it's just this whole, uh, I don't know. It's this, I, it's this thought that I used to feel this way too, like telling people, people like movie ideas. Uh-huh. It's like, oh, I'm keeping this one secret. I'm not telling anybody, but now everything's out in the open. 
Right. It's like, yeah, I'm throwing a murder mystery night. That's, everyone says that's a great idea. Who else is going to do it? Like, who's going to take the time yeah. to actually get to the point where I'm at to actually make the event happen as well as execute it in the way that I can execute it? So Right. Like, the, the legwork actually prevents people from stealing your idea because it's like, well, what, what are they going to do? Actually, like, follow through with it? No way. No. No way. And especially yeah. if they do try and follow through with it, you're already months ahead of that person. That person's right. at ground zero. You're at, you know, 50, 50 steps ahead. And I feel like, and maybe this is a incorrect, an incorrect assumption, but like I kind of feel that um, the people who would be trying to imitate that anyways or just like rip off a good idea wouldn't be able to sustain that. Right. Like, like basically that customer retention phase. Mm-hmm. You know, like it's like I doubt that they would be able to sustain that kind of like good idea and that flow. Yeah. Long anyways. So it's probably safe. You're right. You're right. You're right. Yeah. I mean, I did, I was asked uh, recently to send some writing samples to some other movie producers. Uh huh. And that was like, I should probably protect myself with that. Like I'm sending actual scripts out. I should probably. Right. So that, yeah, I, uh, watermarked it i didn't watermark it i sent them as is but i also started the process to get them copywritten at the copyright office oh so that's like a three to four month process so do i i figured if they do want to steal it and copyright it themselves my copyright's going to come out before theirs yeah definitely hands down so whatever i'm not really concerned about it (laughs) if you're in the right you have no reasons to be nervous or to share your ideas that's what uh, my dad said um, he learned from The Godfather when he first came to the U.S. He said, if you tell the truth and you're always in the right, you have nothing to fear. There you go. So, boom. Shumit Mazumdar. What's his name? Shumit. Shumit? Yeah, short for Shumitendra. What's his middle name? Doesn't have one. Oh, they don't do middle names? That makes but, sense. Um, he at least doesn't have a middle name. <laughs> That'd be way too many names out there. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) All right, so part one complete. See you next week for part two. Thank you for listening to Creativize, Strategize, and Synergize. If you're listening to us on Apple Podcasts, please subscribe, share, and leave a rating. We'd really appreciate it. You can find Chris on social media using the handle at Elephant Scout. You can find me with at Atish Mazish. And finally, you can follow the podcast on Twitter with at CSS Podcast. If you have any questions or comments, please email us at podcast at cscottcreate.com. Thank you so much.